You're listening to the Rise and Love podcast, where we believe that you get to have love and success in all areas of your life. Your host, Crystal Iram, will help you understand yourself, your relationships, and what's keeping you from having the love, relationship, and life you really want. Week after week, you'll have your mind blown as you learn from experts and listen in on honest conversations to experience mindset shifts and get practical instruction on how to use your mind to support you in getting everything you desire. We'll get to the heart of the matter when it comes to designing and elevating all aspects of love and life. Here's your host, educator, relationship coach, and lawyer, Crystal Iram. In today's episode, I am talking about the need to be right and how the need to be right could really be keeping you single. Now, I had been thinking about this topic and thinking that I really wanted to talk about it for you guys because you know, there's a couple of different layers that I think will be really valuable for you. And after this exchange that I saw on Facebook last night, I was just like, okay, it's time. I got to record this. So when I was on Facebook yesterday, I was scrolling through and I came across this person who I'm connected with, who I don't really know. And I saw that she basically had posted something really intentionally bashing a coach that I've previously worked with, someone that I absolutely adore and who I think is great. And so she posted something that was really meant to sort of shame and embarrass this other person. And I, you know, upon looking at this profile of this person who posted, I was just like, this seems really odd. Like this doesn't actually seem like a real person. And so I'm looking at the comments on her post and someone else said the same thing. And I was just like, okay, interesting. Someone else is noticing this also. So I look at this woman's profile and I look at her profile picture. And upon looking at it a little more closely, I was like, this looks like a stock image to me. I don't think that this is the person. Cause you know, it's like looking at her feed, everything she posted was really negative and kind of nasty and like never with any of her own original content, never anything where she's actually sharing anything of value. So, you know, I took all of those years that I've spent watching Catfish on MTV and I took a screenshot of her photo and I did a reverse image search. And sure enough, that photograph came up as a stock image. It was just like stock image, sweet woman with glasses or something. And so I responded to the other person who had said it looks like a fake profile. And I was just like, yeah, it sure does, especially with the stock image as the profile photo. And so I'm sort of like getting into this conversation, I guess. And I really make a point generally not to get involved in these debates and arguments on Facebook because they're usually pretty fruitless. But it happened this time. And, you know, it's really interesting because once you get involved with something like that, it is very challenging to sort of stop, to pull out of it, right? So I'm having this sort of other exchange. And then the woman whose profile I was on, she starts commenting and she turned aggressive really, really quickly. And she sort of started insulting me without making any actual arguments. And, you know, part of me wanted to stay in it. And I wanted to just like show her that she was wrong. You know, I really wanted to be right. And that's what I want to talk about today. This need to be right. Because, it happens to the best of us, right? Where something comes up and you want to be right. It feels very hard to let go. And, you know, the way that I see this manifest for people who are dating is in their beliefs, for one, but also in people that they're actually starting to get to know. So there's those two facets that I want to discuss. 
we all have beliefs, right? And I talk about beliefs all the time. This isn't new, but this is a little bit of a different take, you know, because I've spoken about the fact that like our mind really naturally goes to look for ways to solidify our belief. And this is just another layer to it. We have this need to be right. So if you are holding on to a belief, if you are saying men are jerks, there are no good men, the men online are sleazebags. Those are all beliefs that you have. And your mind wants you to be right. So on this conscious level, you know that you sort of want to be right about it. You're already thinking in it, but there's this deeper level where our brain, our mind is really, really going to try to hold on to our rightness. And it's the same thing that comes up when we feel like arguing with a stranger on the internet. But in this case, it's our own mind that we would be arguing against. And the thing to recognize about this is that these beliefs hold a lot of power partly because of this need to be right. But this need to be right comes from a very wounded place within us, a very, very wounded place. And so when we can sort of understand what the deeper level to it is, if we can understand what the wounding is about, where it originally comes from, where this need to be right is, we can start to lessen that hold so that we can reframe things so we can see things differently. This wounding around the need to be right comes from one of three places, either the need to be love, the need for self-esteem, or the need for security. So it's one of these three things. And whichever one it is, it comes from a very young age that we developed it. For most people, it's going to be under the age of seven. So here's how this can sort of show up for you. I'm just going to go through each of these. So either for love, self-esteem, or security. That's one of the places that it's coming from. So with the need to be loved, or when your need to be right comes from this place of needing love. This shows up when we were wrong about something, when we felt wrong about something, and we felt like we were losing love, or we became afraid that we were going to lose love. You know, if we felt rejected by something. So, You know, the way that this shows up for me and my current life is usually when I'm arguing with my husband. Most of my arguments, when I feel the need to be right, when I'm talking to Kobe, it comes from this fear of losing love. And it sounds a little crazy when you think about it like that, when you think about it really logically, but it does make sense. If I get into a disagreement with him about something, it can start to feel like I need to make sure I am heard. I need to make sure that my my point comes across and that I am right. Because if I'm wrong, I could lose his love. I might lose the one I love. And that would come from something that happened when I was a little kid where I felt rejected or unloved. So, you know, for a lot of people, this will come up when their feeling of love is attached to their grades or their performance in some way. So for example, if you're a little kid and you're not doing well in school and your parents are upset with you and you feel like I've been wrong, I was wrong in school, I've been wrong with my grades, and so I'm going to lose love. So that is one of the ways that that can develop is this sort of feeling of, you know, if I don't perform in a certain way, if I don't get the kind of results that are expected, then I will lose love, I will be rejected. So that's The first example is something when it's sort of related to the need to be loved and the need to be right. And so we sort of hold on to that. I need to be right so that I can have that love. This can be very closely related 
to the self-esteem piece, which is, you know, you can sort of think about it like when I feel the need to be right, like if I were going to just let someone think that I was wrong, what does that feel like for me? What does that feel like for me? What comes up for me? So that's sort of how I got to, you know, that for me, when I'm arguing with Kobe, it's usually coming down to this thing of being loved. But when I'm arguing with other people, when I feel the need to be right in my content or with a coach of mine or with a client, it comes from a different place. It comes from this desire to be seen as smart. If I am wrong, then people will think I'm stupid. See, so it's a little bit of a different thing here, but it's not so far off. And that's really about self-esteem. You know, sometimes we feel stupid, but we aren't actually stupid. It's just the way we feel. It's a fear about being perceived in that particular way. can also be really closely related to a fear of being humiliated. If we're stupid, then often that's accompanied by a fear of humiliation. The humiliation is taking it a few steps further, where it goes just from I've said something stupid to I am stupid, and then that could lead to a feeling of humiliation. So all of that would be coming from this place of needing self-esteem or a fear of losing self-esteem or just not having self-esteem. So this could come from you know a time as a child when maybe you felt stupid. So, you know, I gave an example where it's like if your parents made you feel bad because you got bad grades. So this would be more like a situation where if you were in class and you volunteered for an answer and you felt very sure of it and then you were wrong and the teacher made you feel really wrong. She was like, no, that's not it at all. Or if you heard other kids giggling about you and you felt really stupid. So it's a little bit of a different thing, you know, so it's like, In a situation like this, you could get a double whammy with it. You could have had that happen in class where you felt really embarrassed and humiliated for being stupid. And then, you know, you could go home and your parents could make you feel rejected because they're telling you you need to get better grades. You know, sometimes it's not going to be, it doesn't have to be public per se, but it's just this idea of like having your mistakes pointed out in a really strong way. So again, it's like if you see that all of the kids in your class have gotten a report back and they all have stickers and smiley faces and, you know, way to go and things like that written and you get back a paper and has a big red circled F and that could lead to the same sort of thing where it can make you feel really stupid. You know, I am stupid. I am an idiot. You know, and you feel humiliated and it sort of starts to wear on your self-esteem. And then we create this idea of, I cannot be wrong again. This can never happen again. And so for some people, their need to be right is sort of flowing out of that. Like, I cannot look stupid. I cannot be humiliated like this. So the third way is with security. And for most people, this is really going to come down to financial security. So the most common way that something like this would arise is if as a kid you saw someone close to you or if you experienced a huge loss because of a wrong decision. So for example, sometimes a child has a very wealthy family and one of their parents, you know, takes a big risk in business or at work, and everything is lost. And so that can really look like I have to be right or there will be massive loss. So the wounding is usually going to come from one of these three places. And recognizing this can be really powerful 
Because you want to be able to release the charge around any situation where you are holding on to that need to be right. Because when you need to be right, it's like a sort of bondage. You are trapped by your own emotions because you are depending on an external reaction or some sort of external validation to feel okay. So, you know, to go back to the example that I gave at the beginning, when I was in this argument with this woman that I do not know, if I was really holding on to the need to be right, I would have continued the conversation. I would have continued arguing, trying to force her to see things my way, you know, and to what end? But instead, I was able to sort of step back, knowing that this person outside of me has no control over me. And so, yes, I got involved, but I was able to pull myself out and go on with my day. I wasn't hurt. I wasn't trapped in the emotion of it because I could see, you know, where my need to be right was coming from and just let it go. I just fully let it go so that I didn't need to be right. And, you know, with this, it's not about like then being wrong. I am not wrong just because someone else doesn't see it my way. It's really about saying like, I don't really care if you see it my way. I know who I am. I know what I stand for. I know what matters to me and I can let the rest of that go. Your defenses can come down. And so this works in a lot of situations. In this particular instance, I don't have a relationship with this person. I don't need a relationship with this person. So it really doesn't matter. But in a situation where I was dealing with my husband or I was dealing with a friend or a client or someone that I do care about, then the same sort of thing can happen, but it allows my defenses to come down. So when my defenses come down, it allows my brain to work in a different way. When you are focused on defending your position, when you're thinking, I have to be right, I have to defend my position, your brain is using up all your energy to defend your position. But when I can stop defending my position, when I can let my defenses down, then my brain can then try to wrap its, like wrap itself around a concept that might be new for me or a way of considering something that I haven't before, just something that feels different, something that feels new that I didn't currently have sort of within my consciousness. It really allows for greater understanding and greater connection. This is also where massive shifts can come in. So if you are arguing for something, you get to be able to see like, what am I really arguing for? When I need to be right, what am I trying to be right about? And then you can decide, does this thing that I am working so hard to be right about, is this what serves me? Is this what I want to believe? Is this what I want to feel? Because sometimes we're arguing for something that we don't even want. We're saying, this is true, so I'm going to argue for it. But what if you could let something else be true? What if the fact that you see something as true right now does not mean that it has to always be true? You know, you can think about it like little kids, like sometimes little kids think like a little girl might think like boys are gross. Ew, boys are gross. But at a certain point, that's no longer true for her. It may have been true for her then, but it doesn't have to continue being true. And this goes for anything, like just because something is true for you at some point doesn't mean it has to continue being true. And so this gives you a lot of power. Because you can choose something new for yourself, something that actually gets you what you want. So if you are holding on to a belief that guys are jerks, if that is what you need to be right about, you have to think about how that can play out in your life. 
So let's say that, for example, you're in a friend group and some of your friends have boyfriends, some of them are engaged, some of them are single, some of them are married, and you are the one that insists that guys are jerks. And so when someone's boyfriend breaks up with them, you're the one who's like, I told you, they're the worst, they're jerks. You know, when someone's, you know, fiance calls up the wedding, you're the one who's just like, I told you, men can't be trusted. But at the same time, you want a relationship. You want to be coupled up and you're the one who is sort of insisting on men being jerks. So now this is something you've been insisting on, right? So you want to be right about this. You want to be right. And it comes from this very deep place. So you meet someone and he is showing up not as a jerk. He is showing up as a really interesting, good guy. But you have to be right about this. You have to. For you, it feels like if you are not right, you're going to lose love. You're going to lose your self-esteem or you're going to lose your security. All things that we value very highly and you're not willing to do that. So you are going to look for evidence that this guy is a jerk. So maybe that means that you're just really horrible to him and he doesn't act nicely to you. Maybe it means that you go through his phone. Maybe it means that you just act in a way that's not really who you are, where you're sort of trying to prove yourself right. You're trying to prove that he can't be trusted so that he can turn on you and then you can say, look, I was right all along. I knew you weren't a good guy. So this is what we are doing. You know, that's a really blatant example. But sometimes we're doing this exact thing in a much more insidious way. Having this awareness allows you to elevate your own behavior, to start choosing things differently. So here is what I'm going to leave you with. I'm going to give you a couple of things that you can journal on. And I really suggest you do journal on them. Don't just think about it, but put it down on paper so that you can really dig into this and see what's there for you. Because that awareness is always so powerful. This is really going to be the first step. So the first thing I want you to consider is what do you argue for? What are you arguing for? You want to learn how to make a distinction between what you really stand for, like what do you value versus what you're arguing for just because you need to be right that isn't serving you. Look at what you are arguing for and look at it specifically as it relates to men, love, and relationships. What do you argue for currently? Because then you can see, do I want to be right about these things? Do I want to be right that my boyfriend is not going to be loyal to me? Do I want to be right that men are jerks? Do I want to be right that no good guys are dating online? You know, what do you actually want to be right about versus what are you currently arguing for? The other thing I want you to consider is how would it feel for you to just sit there and allow someone to be right? This will give you some clues as to where your wounding comes from. If you sit there and allow someone else to be right, how do you feel? Do you feel stupid? Do you feel insecure? Do you feel unloved? Like, where is it coming from for you? You know, I know that for me, most of the time, it comes from a fear of looking stupid. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to feel stupid. I know that I'm smart. I want everyone else to know also. But you can feel that there's like an energy behind it. So like, what does it feel like to just allow someone else to be right? And then you're going to take it a step further and you're going to start allowing people to be right and just seeing what comes up for you. You have to understand that this is about creating freedom for yourself, creating that emotional freedom, that psychological freedom, when you could just sit there and let someone else be right and observe what happens within you. And that gives you, you know, that gives you the material that you really get to work with, the spaces where you really get to grow. 
Now, this doesn't mean that for the rest of your life, you're always just going to sit back and let wrong happen in front of you or never tell people, you know, what's true for you or stand up for yourself. This is really just about a development practice for yourself. So you can take a little bit of time and observe what happens within you. So those are your, you know, my challenges to you for you to sort of explore this at a deeper level and really see you know, how you react and how you can grow from this, how you can stop being right about things that you don't actually want to be right about and start really standing for the things that you want to bring into your life. So I hope this was really helpful for you. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. I have an amazing new resource for you, and I am so thrilled to finally be able to share it. I have created a quiz so that you can find out what your love type is. This quiz is going to take you just a few minutes. And by answering some questions, you'll get a better understanding of what some of your biggest blocks to calling in the relationship you most desire are so that you can clear them. Not only are you going to find out what your love type are, but I'm going to give you personalized recommendations for resources that'll really help you move along your journey so that you can call in the love you most desire. You can check the quiz out by visiting bit.ly slash love type quiz. Again, that link is bit.ly slash love type quiz. And of course, I will link it in the show notes. Be sure to check that out. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes and be sure to tune in next time to the Rise and Love podcast.